everybody, and welcome to This Week in X, presented by Crushing Comics. I'm your moderator, Crisis with a K, and I'm here with three of my favorite folks, fans, and mutant lovers from around the world today, Tyler, Harry, and Fariha, to talk about this week's X-Men comic books from the week of the 10th of February, 2021. Now, here's your blanket warning. We are going to be talking about these three issues, which are Excalibur number 18, Sword number mm -hmm. three, and X-Force number 17, plus a lightning round about Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood number three. And we are going to fully spoil these issues. We're going to talk about other developments in the current X-Line and Marvel Universe, and we're we're going to talk about the history of mutants in the Marvel Universe. So this is a full spoilers program, and this is your customary warning. But now that that is out of the way, I want to talk to my friends. So we are going to start with Tyler. Tyler, mm -hmm. I have a question for you. Is there something that you are so stubborn about that you refuse to give up on it, even if it's not good for you, or maybe you're not good at it? What is something that you're super stubborn about? Um, well, I mean, the... Um, when I learned how to make puff pastry, <laughs> this is uh, not an answer it was, I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty successful in school, but when I tried it at home, it wasn't really successful. So I was trying and trying and trying, like for I don't know for how many times, until I get you know because I was really de determined that I want to be able to make home make puff pastry okay and goals yeah, are important and finally i succeeded so yeah but it took awesome. it took a lot of butter <laughs> like are we talking puff pastry where you where you put the butter on then you fold the, the it over yeah. and roll it again so it gets yeah. laminated I, I'm, I'm not and doing, all that yeah yeah i'm not doing a quick puff a quick puff is easy but like yeah. a full on classic puff pastry mm. Mm. i did try had some of tyler's baked uh, stuff they're very good Tyler's very good. Wasn't Tyler sending Thank baking you. around to other comic fans like a meme at some point amongst our friends? At one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think I stopped after the first shipment. <laughs> Still a lot. All right. So, Harry, how are you today? I'm doing well. Awesome. My question for you is, have you ever had an elder or a mentor in your life ever leave you a meaningful memento or hand-me-down that kind of came with a lot of intent or purpose with it? Uh, yeah, my grandfather, who uh, was in upstate New York for a while, uh, when he passed, he left a few things to each of us. And for me, um, which I hope is because he knew I was a, a journalist and what have you, he left me a vintage 1950s flash photography camera, the old school kind. Yeah, and it had like 18 different parts. It does not work in any way, but it's in this nice little case. And I look at it every once in a while because it, it looks like it's from another another century which i guess technically it was but it was very cool and it meant a lot and uh yeah i just like having this kind of connection to to what i do now as a photographer uh you know it's 70 years ago wait awesome. you're a journalist <laughs> believe, <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> i take photos of spider-man is what i do <laughs> or is he spider-man yeah, that's what i was just gonna say hold on oh, no, hold i'm glad, on. This, I'm glad this joke or superman i mean journalism is the number one cover-up in comic books yeah. possibly because all of the creators wanted to be journalists and failed um <laughs> and, and so and so everybody's a journalist Ms. marvel maybe he's a kree warrior half of the day I'm and so... he just doesn't know maybe he's wearing a bathing that's suit true. with a lightning bolt we don't know that's true hey no 
comment, be so glad this joke has reached this part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be clear. Harry is the actual, actual journalist. If we're talking about the people who fail journalism and, and, and then talk about comics, that would be this part of the Hollywood Squares, <laughs> not the one down there. Okay. Hollywood Squares. <laughs> Moving on to Free Hut. Free one thing I want to establish is we have noticed there is a great mystery among our listeners of how to actually say your name or actually what your name is. Because I've known you mm. for a while now. I say it real fast. It's, should I be right, right, right. really sounding out each syllable? How do you like it to be said? So the name is Fariha. Fariha. And so you I know, should be saying no... far, like Fariha. Fariha. Yeah, so Fariha. So that's so how I kind of say far because I'm from like South Philly. It's kind of like far, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I know. So the thing is like, you know, it's just like depending on like sometimes how angry my mom is, it becomes Fria, like, you know. So. Which is how I actually so, yeah, say so, <laughs> Yeah, so it just, it means happiness and it's F-A-R-I-H-A, Fariha. Okay, okay, there everybody. you go. Now you know who to make all the all the love notes and and uh, monetary compensation out to. Sorry. <laughs> so yes. Priya, that was my actual question to you. My actual question to you today is, although it could be, it might actually be. Um, yeah. Yes. Is there something that people assume that is true about you when actually something almost the opposite is actually true? So, I mean, you know, you can say a lot about how people view other people. Um, I mean, people are always like, when I tell them that I'm an engineer, I always get like, ooh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's not all that interesting. But so I asked my male engineer colleagues if they ever get that, and they don't. So um. it's kind of, it kind of always like, you know, makes me a little, okay, okay. Surprisingly, if I do go to a female doctor and I said that, well, I'm an engineer, they're like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, they're yeah. not impressed. But <laughs> what do people like, assume that you do? Like, I just know you as such a technical person that I'm like, right. of course Free is an engineer because she's <laughs> such a technical person. But like, what do people think you do for a living when they've just assumed? Uh, well, I remember that one, 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 of our, one of my friends from the group that we're all part of, he thought that I was a businesswoman. <laughs> so I said that I, I said that well well I always do mean business so that's okay you know but the thing is like, <laughs> yeah like you know so the thing is like that's what I like you know and then I don't given that every time someone asks me oh what do you do I always kind of tell them I mean I never actually kind of ask people oh, what do you think I do you know I just I don't like putting people in that position so no. but the thing is like yeah so uh, yeah business woman is the one I got once. Well, as usual, all three of our questions are pulled from this week's X-Book, so see if you can connect the dots as we begin talking about this week's comics. For sword number three, we're going to begin, as we always do, with our lightning round of reactions before we dig in deeply to the issue, starting with Tyler. Um, I mean, I enjoy the character spotlight on um, Mani Manifold. And it kind of expanded my knowledge of his powers. I'm not 100% sure if this is a retcon or a, something that was hinted at before. Um, on the art front, even though we have like four different artists on this issue, it is not really that jarring to me. Um, they all seem to work complement each other quite well. And 
you know, even Ewin is saddled with this now tie-in thing. This still manages to give us a Krakoan story, so to say, so, so to speak. Mm. Um, I'm giving it a 3.75 I hold out of 5. Oh, <laughs> okay. Harry, what is your initial reaction on this one? I definitely like this issue more than the last uh, because this is not really that involved with King of Black so much as has characters dealing with other characters who are in the, the shadow of the event, but it's not really going head on against the, the space dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Manifold a lot. I have since his time in Secret Warriors and definitely so in Avengers. So I was hoping a lot from this issue. Uh, it didn't quite reach that for me. I I, I agree with Tyler that um, the art, it, it all kind of, the art fr- was from different artists, of course, but like it didn't really uh, bother me that much. They were all pretty much of a type. Um, I enjoyed kind of learning more about Snark War, which is just a great thing to say. And uh, yeah, I think the ending, kind of the ending scene and uh, dealing with a certain shady human character was a great time. And I actually like not gasped, but my eyebrows were raised like at mm-hmm. the developments in that scene. So I would give it 3.5 space eye holes out of five. I know Tyler did that too, but whatever. Freeha, <laughs> <laughs> what did you take from this issue? Especially because, let's say, Manifold is a very Jonathan Hickman character, so you are well acquainted with Manifold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... Yeah. it's- it's 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 a he's created by my future husband Jonathan Hickman, so you know I obviously have a different connection about to this character. But the thing is, his the way his power was explained is the most Jonathan Hickman-y power explanation I've ever seen. And I'm like, of course, of course, a character created by him, he would never create a character who can just teleport. He has like this. Anyway, we'll get into that. The thing is, it's news to me that there were four different artists because my eyeballs did not pick that up. And I did not, of course, check the artist credit because I suck at those things. But anyway, so compared to that, I really enjoyed it because this is kind of what a tie-in should be for me. Like, you know, if it's like something else is going on and then, you know, because it's not... So, like, whatever's happening, it's explained just enough, but you are doing, it's doing its own thing, and then there's a lot of different things going on. Uh, so, based on all of that, I will say um, it's it was a four out of five for me. Hmm. For me, I think I'm struggling a little bit with Sword because I was expecting one sort of a mutant title, and I'm kind of getting something different. I think I was really enamored with the idea of this big cast in the first issue, and then the second issue was very waylaid by... Uh, the King in Black. And then this issue is a deep character focus, but I still don't feel like I really understand what this book is about, even though we get a little bit mm. of that through this and, and Manifold's journeys. So I just kind of feel disconnected. Like, I can't tell if it's a good issue because I don't know what it's supposed to be. Uh, so I'm just, like, a little cooler on it than the rest of you. Also, I kind of liked that Manifold was a mutant outside of the mutant control. I really liked that he was on Black Panther. So I kind of, I really love that he's getting attention here, especially from Ewing of anybody. But also part of me is like, oh, I I guess he's going to have to be an X-Men now. So I don't know. It's just not, I don't dislike it, but it's just not, like, ringing my bell quite as much. And I absolutely noticed the artist difference. Uh, And it took me out of it a couple times, but they were strong showings from all four of them. So I don't think at any point it was a negative. It just kind of like was like refocusing your eyes a little bit for me. Now that we've gotten our initial reactions out of the way, I want to start digging in a little bit deeper. And I think the place we have to start, because we all mentioned it, is this slight but significant redefinition of Manifold 
and what he does. So we've always known that he is Aboriginal Australian. We've always known that Gateway is a mentor of his, and we always known, known that he folds space in some way. But Ewing gives us an extra dimension on that here, and we not only get people telling us that, but we kind of see it visually in how he moves through space and and possibly dimensions here in this issue. And I, I want to kind of start with Freeha first, because it is very Jonathan Hickman, and, you know, Ewing's clearly in close con... Co uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Cooperation? Cooperation with him? So Yeah, he, they're closely collaborating. And so do you think this was kind of Hickman's intent all along? Do you think Ewing is layering something new in here? How did you read that slight redefinition? So, I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't know whose idea it was because it, I have to give credit to Ewing because yeah, we don't he is know. writing it. Yeah. yeah, we don't know. But the thing is, like, I think like this was also, Ewing must have seen, um, what is that movie by um, No One, Christopher No One, Interstellar. Because Interstellar actually explains this power. Like, you know, Interstellar actually says how this power works and it is, word for word pretty much that power that he has now <laughs> so in interstellar they show that's what i was trying to hold on they actually show that you have a paper and then you fold the paper like you have point a and point b and then yeah. you fold the paper now point a and point b are together and you can go through it so that's his power now and it's from interstellar <laughs> But, but what's interesting is he that's his power, He's, and he doesn't tell the universe to do that. Yeah. He asks Ask the universe. Ask, to that's, yeah. the, that's the difference. Like, you know, he's asking the universe to do that, and the universe apparently listens to him. Like, I'm, I'm always very confused when it comes to cosmic beings. Um, <laughs> so does that mean he's talking to eternity? Yeah. I, I look at more as like him just communicating with this force he can't quite define or almost understand because uh, it's too big, but like it will respond to him. And it's it's something just kind of like undefined, but but grander because you're not quite sure yeah. what it is you're communicating with. I think in in one of Hickman's run, either Secret Wars or in his Avengers run, there was an alternate universe um, manifold, which Avengers. brought over the Black Swan, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, and and I think it mentions that that manifold's power doesn't work in six one six. That's correct. Yeah, each manifold. So, so power right, they're attuned to the their own. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think. Oh, this, now, now we can have manifold core then. Like you know. <laughs> we can. <laughs> Captain Britain core. We can now have manifold core. Uh, I I would read that in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, but then, but that that means that he can only speaks to this universe and. He can, and the only, or maybe he can speak to other universes as well, but the other universes just don't respond to him because he's not native to that universe. Mm. So that's something to consider as well, right? It's really but, interesting uh, thinking about, like, as to all of your points, mutants with powers that are so much bigger than just the Earth. You know, uh, the other mutant who has a teleportation power like this, of course, is Lila Shaney. And even reading about her back in the day, you're kind of like, wow, this is wild. All of these other mutants are just palling around doing stuff on Earth. And Lila Shaney's a teleporter who can only teleport, uh, you know, interstellar distances. Yeah. So <laughs> if she wants to teleport down the block, she's got to teleport to like Alpha Tel Centauri first and then back yeah. <laughs> down the block. Much how magic goes through limbo. And yeah. so it's like part yeah. of it, but it's interesting to think about like, 
the idea of like what mutant has a power that almost supersedes the scale of of the planet that they're on and and the meaning of that you know the other thing i want to talk about we, we're getting this three conversations basically mm -hmm. this whole yeah. issue is the idea of three conversations that that manifold partakes in or or listens in on in one case and before we get to the two with kind of bigger impact this first mm -hmm. one is really interesting to me he stops by to talk to his elders one of whom is his uncle they're talking a lot about his relationship with gatefold who is of course a a uh core gateway. character in the hmm? gateway. gateway who's of yeah. course mm -hmm. the a core character in the outback era of claremont yeah. and it's really interesting because two things are happening in this conversation one is ewing is kind of explaining where he's been in black panther because he's been a part of ta-nehisi coates's mm -hmm. interstellar black panther run and he is made to do some terrible things as part of he's kind of like brainwashed and fit into the role of a different person that already exists in a mythological way is the best shorthand that I can give you. And so he's confessing here, he's done some stuff, but it's also the idea of the people that are connected to him, his family, his land, are also showing some skepticism for this other group that he's also a part of, which is mutants, which is, I know, a theme that comes up a lot with us because we get into immigrant chat and this idea of kind of like code switching and being a part of two different groups. And so I just think there's a lot of interesting material in this brief family scene. Tyler, is there anything in here that you really think is worth commenting on? They ground him to Earth mm -hmm. by introducing his family and his elders that he actually visited before he went away. So that sort of, to me, I think that is the um the the connection to Earth because like we like we just discussed, his powers transcends Earth. So right. there is no reason for him to stay on Earth if he chose to say, oh, I'm going to spend some time in Shi'ar space, you know. <laughs> he can just basically ask the universe kindly and just take one small step and he's in Shi'ar. So there's no reason for him to stay on Earth. But here with these two elders, with with this grounding, um, again, I think it brings back the concept of family. Even though this is not his Krakowan family, he does have family, he does have ties to Earth. And that is why he remains here. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Harry? It, it all, yeah, that all also makes him just on a emotional level, makes him more relatable and human. Cause you do have this character who's kind of like almost cosmically powered or, or definitely that where he can travel anywhere and can like operate on a scale beyond anybody else. So it is nice that you have the scene where he's talking with his family and trying to convince them that he's not in with a rough crowd or a sketchy <laughs> crowd. Uh, yeah, it just gets kind of like, you know, it was an, it, it functionally made sense that that's what you kind of lead off with just so you understand this guy a little bit better before he goes off and talks to space lizards and all that. But like mm -hmm. it, it was, it was pretty good. I, I honestly thought the art was the most noticeably different in this segment, um, which kind of took me out a little bit. Like he looks like Manifold's face is different, drawn differently than in yeah. the rest of the book. Um, but it's not, it's not that it's bad. It's just, it, it is, it's a little disconcerting. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it was like a good lead off, I felt. Freeha? I don't think we ever seen uh, his Australian family ever. Like he was since no. the very beginning, he was always either with the Secret Warriors or with the Avengers. Like, you know, pretty much what he says, like, oh, I don't talk to Iron Man anymore. I only uh, talk to Black Panther <laughs> as the Avengers. And now he's like with the Krakowan society and everything. So this kind of was nice. Um, I was a little bit kind of like confused by the by the two characters he was talking to whether they're also indigenous or not because they looked like caucasian 
So, so that's why I was a little confused by that at first. Mm-hmm. That you know that whether they he's that's his adopted family or something. Um, but you know, but it, at the end of the day, it was just kind of like a very nice, uh, nice touch. I think, like you know, yeah. just mm-hmm. to like we see another side of him that we mm-hmm. haven't seen before. Well, and he also gave Ewin a chance to 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 say that, hey, you know. Australians love the X Men. It's a callback to the Outback <laughs> era, basically. Yeah. I think. Okay. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like um no, and I, it's also kind of nice to see because I always kind of is like uh about like whenever like a mutant family rejects them for being yeah. mutant, but mm-hmm. this was a very nice from that point of view that it's like he's a mutant and they're like yay <laughs> mate he... go have fun in Kakoa <laughs> like you know so he so has that was, a very that was super um, nice. Yeah. Sorry, I was gonna, he has a very emotionally stable situation, it seems. <laughs> like, he's doing yeah. great. And that's why he can probably, like, you know, talk nicely to the universe. He doesn't even have to scream at the universe. Yeah. Because he had such a stable upbringing. He's just happy from the get-go. So, you know. And, well, and it also this... kind of does a very good job of, like, you know, um, giving you... Because we talk keep talking about the characters we don't know anything about. So this does a very good job of summarizing it. Yeah. And I would say, too, isn't this somewhat unique in this whole Dawn of X, Reign of X era to see a mutant who kind of stops off elsewhere, even though they acknowledge they're part of this Krakon machine. In Brazan's New Mutants, of course, we spent some time with Angel and Beak and their family, but they were primarily um, aligned with their family. I said Beak, so Free's going to make <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, like here we have somebody who, to all of your point, he stops there first. Like he's on a mission mm-hmm. ostensibly and he still makes the time to check in, which is just something really unique in this Krakoan era. And I think it also says something really unique about his character, which we didn't have already. So it's only a couple of pages, but I think it's really smart of viewing. And I think it, it immediately attunes us to him in a really different way than we have to every other X-Men character. I also yeah. really, really zeroed in on that end bit about respect the sacred land being one of the laws and mm-hmm. his uncle say they still had to make it a law. I want to move on now to the second portion of his three conversations, which is the snark war portion of the conversation. And Ewing makes sure to bring a lot of receipts in the form of conversation oh <laughs> and data pages here to remind us of how snark war works, the rules of snark war, which is basically when one ruler dies, everybody genetically senses it. And until somebody kind of comes out on top it's the war is on and so we get uh manifold here meeting with if i'm not reading the odds incorrectly the person who's already the odds on favor to win and manifold is looking to really just pile the odds increasingly in his favor and he offers him two mutants uh although there's a catch the snarks are going to take their powers but the mutants are fine with that as long as they get killed in the process <laughs> because they want to be resurrected without necessarily yeah. going through the crucible again ewing yeah. doing really deft work here such a like good Min's moment themes. without without even having to mention any of those things right. yeah he didn't right. mention <laughs> resurrection he didn't mention crucible so anyone who actually read the whole docs and the rocks line know exactly what he meant <laughs> that was really deft yeah. you know writing there it's the best part of the issue it's just like, just like yeah don't worry about it they might die whatever let's just keep it moving <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not important to you so so to that point who are these people did you not read captain america annual 4 the one <laughs> by jack kirby did you Fariha? oh my god <laughs> 
it's from there? Yeah. Tyler tried to get us to read it, and one of us did. <laughs> I, I actually I... read it once, and then I, I refused to read it for our Faria, reading you're because mi- it was so boring. You're missing <laughs> moments like this because you didn't read it, and now Tyler's heart is broken. <laughs> because I'm like... Who on our, I'm like, yeah, you can kill them and we don't have to even bring them back. No one will miss them. <laughs> Their names are Burner and Lifter. I mean, we, this is from the point in mutant culture where you just pick the verb of what you did and you just said, I'm the one who died. I'm Burner, I'm Lifter. You know, like yeah. that, that was the level of sophistication. I mean, in, I, I, I'm not God. super familiar with them. So I actually went, went to read up to do some uh research on them it, it seems that they do appear in other comics not x related which is why i kind of like oh I, i've never met these people uh, except for like <laughs> captain america annual four is where they be- <laughs> where they first appeared <laughs> well congrats now you're the world's uh, foremost expert on burner and lifter and- <laughs> so you got that going for you <laughs> but the interesting thing i think here and we can we're kind of just all jumping in here is mm-hmm. manifold thinks he has this great offer he thinks he's mm-hmm. whether brand gave it to him or he cooked it up on his own you know yeah. he they really think he's going to take it and the snark is like, oh no, we're happy with this null situation, which I was shocked. Yeah. I did not expect the conversation to go in that direction. I don't know, Freya, was that a shocker to you? Oh yeah, yeah, I was like, whoa. And this is something, by, by the way, this is a super, a pure cosmic drama because every yeah. Marvel cosmic story has this kind of thing. Someone offers someone something and then the mm. other person's like, please, child, <laughs> I have a better offer than that. So it's always kind of work that way. Um, but the thing is, Wait, I was actually... Isn't, sorry, I just want to interject a little bit. Isn't that the definition of snark? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Tyler, MVP of the of the episode. Yeah, like you know, like he was just like being very snarky. Um, no, but I, I was, I think I was most first mostly by shocked by the fact that mutants are actually offering them up in this way, and then it's okay, it's sanctioned, and you know, it's just something that they're doing and then the other thing is like even then it didn't work so i'm like oh no now lifter and burner will probably have to go through crucible that's mm. what my mind went <laughs> <laughs> like who cares about this guy <laughs> like you know so but yeah but i thought it was a like a very a good twist mm. like you know this felt like what I'm hoping this book will be going forward or out of like space goo land is like just kind of like dealing with different space factions and races and figuring out what this jerk prince wants to do. And like, so this felt the most comfortable, I guess, for lack of a better term, this felt like, okay, I can kind of see where we're headed if uh, in a few issues time, I I assume. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, like I have two points to make. Like the first point is, that's the reason why you do not send a logistic branch to go negotiate. <laughs> you have a diplomacy and a negotiation branch. Use why the NBA is... Tyler school us. Yeah. What, what, what is the ideal here? No, I mean, you have Frenzy who is in charge of negotiation and diplomacy. Why are you not sending her to do the actual negotiation instead of like this logistic guy? <laughs> I mean, that, that, I mean <laughs> that's really just my joke about this whole thing. I was, I was wondering, hmm, Wait, what? Why? Why is Frenzy not there? Then I re- then I remember. Oh, Frenzy went to Krakoa. Right, she's uh, stuck last issue, so she's stuck there. Shell. And I mean, the other thing I thought that was interesting is that um, Manifold actually said, "You, Krakoa, and Earth." So he's actually separating Krakoa and Earth. He's not saying you and Earth 
with an implied including Krakoa. Mm -hmm. So so now I think um, the I mean, I mean the mutants is seriously thinking of themselves apart from Earth. I think uh, or at least you know in 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 sword. Um, so so I thought that was something quite interesting. Yeah, they've got the dominant space program definitely seems like they're branching out uh in their own way and it is cool like moments like that where you're just like oh this really is like a complete separate entity in their eyes at the least you know yeah and that was probably the moment that for me too was the most thrilling not necessarily him offering up the two of them but this idea that krakoa is negotiating separately you know that's why this book is sword it's mm -hmm. that, you know, the same way that S.H.I.E.L.D. is like, we'll take care of it on Earth. S.W.O.R.D. is like, we'll take care of it in space. But on behalf of mutants, not really on behalf of mutant humans or humanity or the planet Earth as a whole, yeah. but kind of mutants saying, we'll take care of it. And it kind of goes with the theme of Manifold having this universal power. It's mutants kind of saying, like, we, none of you other super beings on Earth really have the scope to even be having this conversation, okay? We're the ones who the Phoenix came to first. We're the ones who went into space to do all this other stuff. We're, you know, let us handle these things. Yeah. You just go on and be humans. We're the next step of evolution. Exactly. And I don't the think any of that had to be said, but it really made me think of, like, mm -hmm. it definitely connected me back to Powers of X. It yeah. definitely made me think about the idea that the remaining mutants in the powers of x life that we saw the most with mora were living in space it definitely mm -hmm. kind of connected all of these dots for me yeah. and ewing never said any of it that's the beauty no. that he never it wasn't on a recap page or a data page no. we didn't get any connections to house of x and powers of x until this mm -hmm. third conversation yeah. which is a mm -hmm. conversation that manifold entirely listens in on with his special keyhole power uh, pretty, that's pretty a great moment that's <laughs> very uh, fun it's like peeking through it's super super fun and when he reaches his yeah. arm through the portal and goes yoink and takes the little... so uh, Henry Peter Gyrich one of the biggest assholes in all of the Marvel Universe <laughs> the for worst. decades now the worst yep is on the station and just actively colluding with people who are connected with Orcus to take care of the whole mutant problem within yeah. earshot of all these people that I guess he feels like they're all trying to save the world. So I guess I can take this mm -hmm. private call in my office right now. I don't exactly. know, but it's going to come back to bite him. But, you know, there's just so many implications here. Uh, I mean, the thing I just want to pull out before I hand it over to Tyler is him saying, if the worst happens, who will be the survivors? Mutants? Gamma mutates because he's playing a huge role in Hulk at the same time yeah. also by Ewing. Nobody? Nobody human. Yeah, exactly. Not on our watch. And then he pulls out this Orcus yeah. folder. So he's thinking about the same things the mutants are. The mutants are out there negotiating with the Snark War. He's up mm -hmm. here trying to get rid of the mutants. Layers upon layers. Tyler what should we yeah. be thinking about here? I mean, pulling out the folder that he was not supposed to print. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said he was a smart asshole. Henry. No. <laughs> uh, well, initially it I thought... Sorry. No, no, I was just saying it didn't have okay to print as Marvel like you to put in their, in their emails. Like, you know, not okay to print. It's like, it's like people, people who receive an email... And it says top secret. Yeah. And and the first thing you do is like, hey, assistant, can you just print this email for me? And I mean, you're I'm, like, 
I don't know about the three of you, but I'm old enough to have worked with some of those people where, um, you know, at the point that everything went over to email and I was still in a physical office where some people on their desk would just have this big stack of folders. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's just my emails. And you would hear an email yeah. come in and you just hear them, see them press Beep. print and you realize that they're printing out. That's, if you ever yeah. get one of those emails that the bottom says for the environment, please don't print this out. That's who they're talking about. There are people who still probably 15 years after that are still printing out every email because I they know. just think that's the thing that you do. That's the thing to do. Is I can't read on the screen. That's yeah. usually the explanation. That's that's what Jared is. This is why he is the asshole. But <laughs> when, when they no, had... Uh, the, yeah. It, because initially, I actually thought that um, this is new. But it's actually not new. If you go back to Hawks issue one, Alpha Flight is part of AUKUS. Mm-hmm. This is and, one of the few like really direct callbacks to House of X yeah. that we've had. So so this is basically linking it like, you know, basically say, hey, you know, we mentioned it here. This is the details. So it's no longer, I mean, I, I, the, the question though is this, is only Peter Henry Gyrich um, part of AUKUS or is the entire Alpha Flight plus Gamma Flight part of AUKUS? Well, if he's leading them, I mean, isn't the uh, end effect the same if he's kind of having their resources or their actions kind of back up this uh, this group? I mean, that's kind of, it seems like a big deal. That's I true. went like, when I was reading, I was like, oh, like when Orca showed up, I was like, okay, yeah. this is like a, this is happening. It, it feels kind of, kind of huge. It did to no, me anyway. Is. So you get the sense that like, just because Alpha Flight is part of Orcus, it doesn't mean all the superpowered people in Alpha Flight are, because they also don't like Gyrich. And so Gyrich is just, it's funny, on this chart, he's labeled as being part of the influence, infrastructure and influence. I'm like, well, he's a horrible influencer because everybody hates him. <laughs> I know. It's like, I wouldn't even say like they're pro Hulk in that book. They're just anti They're just anti him. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, he, he sucks on a unique level. I was I was kind of happy to see that it's just a callback to uh, Hawks, uh, all those things because it just felt like it just disappeared after X Men One. Mm, yeah. You know, it, we just didn't see this, but hey, it's coming back over here. Um, mm. However, the printout that he had was yeah. still redacted, so we yeah. didn't actually get much. So mm. I think it's okay for him to print this. <laughs> um, you know, like I mean, it didn't get much. But the thing is, manifold man, wait till he drops the phone before you bounce out of it. I know. It. Because he missed he the missed, most important part. Yeah, the most important part, that there is a mole in S.W.O.R.D. And wait, wait, this wait, mole wait. is operating right under Abigail Brand's nose. Which... Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you guys think that Manifold is not the mole? No. 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 Why then would he why... be the mole? No, but then why is he there to look for Peter, Peter Henry Gyrich? Because she in asked In the first him. place. Yeah. Didn't she ask him? He Ooh. says crap when she when he when he finds out he's Orca. So he's as surprised as we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's I know. I... I I mean, well, Peter Henry Garage has a mole in sword. Does not mean that the mole knows that he's in Orcus. I okay, don't think that's it's fair, but I don't think yeah, it's him. I don't think it's yeah, him. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's him. So, but then, so why? So then, manifold is there for a reason, right? Because the the first thing he said when he stepped out of the his his you know circle thing yeah, is that yeah. he called for Gyrich. He said, "Hello, right. anyone here?" So he, he it is definitely meant that he's going to be, he's going there 
to meet him. Well, he might just be reporting in that the smart the snark guy like rejected him. Um, right, that's what I thought. I thought that so, Sword, Alpha Flight, and them are working on it. That's why he took the uh, ro- ro- thing to snark guy, saying that hey, mm-hmm. that's why me Krakoa and human. That's why the Krakoa okay. was separate because okay. it was coming from Sword, like you Krakoa Sword, and then Arc. Mm-hmm. Alpha Flight or these people okay. are going to be solving it. That's what I thought that he's just ah. bouncing back and reporting everyone. That's how Got I it. took it. But so now, around, you... folks, who is the mole? Tyler. Peepers. Well, <laughs> the the obvious one would be Faven Cortex, but <laughs> too obvious. Um, yeah, yeah, it's too obvious. Yeah. So my pick will be someone maybe out of the left field, random. Hmm. Harry. Pybok. I don't. I, I don't know. I feel like just a scroll would be a really left field Skrull. pick, where it's just like he, he's kind of well known, but not that well known in this context. So like, you could like overlook him. Mm. You think Peepers? No, I was just joking. Oh. Um, I'm. I I think could it be Abigail Brand because she just didn't seem to care that much. Like she because when he's like, oh my god, Henry Gyrich is doing all this. He's like, yeah, yeah, but we have more interest, like you know, more pressing matters. So or she I don't know whether that. Or either she knows that that's one of the reasons because I don't. She's always so headstrong or like you know, just like yeah, 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 whatever. I'm not dealing mm-hmm. with this right now. So I don't know whether she already knows or she is gonna look into it or she is the one because she wants Alpha Flight back. So this is, I mean, it's not necessarily she's working, but she actually wants to one-up Gyrich because she hates Gyrich. So so that's what I kind of, maybe my prediction, but I don't know. Interesting. See, I do think it's Cortez, even though it seems like it would be obvious to have Cortez be the betrayer once again, as he always is, it would be less obvious for him to be aligned with flat scans to betray the mutants because Mm. he's always anti-human, even when he's also anti-human, anti-mutant. So I think that there's all, you know, I think there's some other kind of mercenary characters in the mix, you know, random, certainly uh, Mentallo, who certainly could be tempted by other things. But I just think that Cortez is always the knife in the back. That's Cortez's job. <laughs> That's so true. I need Cortez That's to be power. the ball. I mean, the, the other two things that I kind of want like is to mention is that I love the fact that the data page is no longer just data. So yeah. now like it has that panels which shows him doing that invisible thing when as it described um though if you do it too often i'm not sure how useful the data page is then because yeah. it's now a lot of telling and showing <laughs> <laughs> so um and then but in this case it's slightly different because that this is something which which is new right his power mm-hmm. has never been used that way before so mm. and then the last thing I kind of want to mention is that I, I like that the coloring of the data page of the Orcus protocol is, is is really as if like he has a torch like shining on it. Yes. <laughs> so it's like it's dark. I mean, there's this like um, orangey thing on top. So I think the product, um, the production value of this is actually quite high in that sense. Well, I actually really like this aspect of the data pages where they're, here's a word I learned from our long lost brother, Zach, uh, diegetic. They're in the story. Like we, we see the person picking up or handling the thing and then it's a data page, which is different than in a lot of the books which use the data pages as sort of um, moments to fill us in on things that maybe the characters already knew or something that's happening off panel for the characters. 
both of the data pages here are kind of like from that moment in the comic book. And I think that's just really clever. And it's part of what we say how every every writer uses them in a different way. And Ewing is yeah. using them in this way that's explicitly diegetic. And I really like it. I think it's really quite charming. And so, you know, he, Manifold reports back to Brand and then she's like, okay, well, we've got to get back to Earth. And he comes in on where we left off last issue, which is Symbiote Cable on Krakoa with pretty much every cast member of S.W.O.R.D. all tied up and hanging in symbiote cocoons on Krakoa and also having maybe taken over the central tree of Krakoa. Yeah. Maybe all of Krakoa is a symbiote, which means we're heading to a third tie-in issue with S.W.O.R.D. Definitely. number four. Any I can't believe there's... thoughts on S.W.O.R.D.? Can't believe there's two cliffhangers with Cable as Carnage. <laughs> I yeah. can't believe you're doing I mean, like, it we're twice. We're not there yet. Like we're still like, <laughs> no, like approaching being thing. there. Yeah. We're not even there. Oh God! I just I feel I like haven't. Peter, you said it in the beginning of this episode. Like this isn't a bad issue. This had good moments, but like it does, it doesn't feel like we're getting the the series that we were promised because there's this other thing happening. And it's not even like it's bad. It's just that I I don't even know how to feel about this series yet. The the only silver lining I hope is you know. All these books seem to do very well, the X-Books. Maybe this one will have some some room to express itself more instead of getting cut off early. You know, I, that's like my weird paranoid fear with books sometimes. But um, yeah, I just want this to be done. For Excalibur 18, let's begin as we always do with our lightning round reactions, beginning with Tyler. Um, I, I, like, I like this issue, but not as much as last issue. Um, we also spent an entire issue wondering about something that we kind of already know. So it was a little bit anticlimactic. Um, the art, as usual, is clean and great, in my opinion. Um, I give it a three dungeons out of five. Harry. Okay, so this book is boring, and I think we all on some level know that. Uh, I don't think we want to admit it in some ways, because there there are moments. There are moments yes. where I enjoy this book, and I'm, I'm engaged. But, like, as a whole, there's just not a lot of narrative thrust or, or something to keep me involved. And and my what I just felt after finishing this issue, especially after last issue, is that I just think this is, if you're going to read this, this, this should be read in trade because mm. issue to issue, it just feels kind of shapeless and hard to latch onto sometimes. And I don't fully remember things and I don't, you know, maybe my mind's going away and I have really dementia, maybe, but like, I think also it's just like the series needs like something more. And I, I don't, it's kind of hard to quantify what that is, but, um, yeah, I'd give this two and a half uh, creepy baby elves out of five. <laughs> she has Sorry, pointy yeah. ears. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is, Harry is absolutely right. If you were reading it in thread, this is like this would be issue three of five or six, right? So, <clears throat> absolutely in the middle ground, and this issue is the middle ground, and for a middle ground. It's um, you know a perfectly good three point five thrown away wine empty wine glass out of five, so that's what I would say. I uh, I gotta come down a little bit harder than some of you are coming mm -hmm. down. I really am increasingly feeling like this is a comic with nothing to say. We've already agreed that the cast kind of feels weird and incongruous, even in an issue where we have characters who have an inherent. 
um, conflict or drama or between them that feels like they're all saying the same lines they've been saying for 18 issues. Rogue's like, she's my friend. Like, we've heard it, Rogue. Um, and so <laughs> I just, and I, I love how Teeny Howard voices characters in every other series, but it feels like we're just playing for time. And I don't think it's good enough to say, well, if it was in trade, we might um, like roll our eyes and support it. Like, no, every issue has to be good on its own. We can't say that this issue um, is allowed to be boring because the middle chapter should be boring. There are another 50, 60 comic books out there today where every issue is good. So we can just call this comic book bad. On top mm. of that, the art here, Toe has reached, I think, the end of his range on this book. And I really like Marcus Toe, but everything just looks the same all the time. The expressions are the same. The, the dynamics are the same. Um, there's things here where people maybe are more upset or less upset if they've been, and their faces look the same. Like, I just feel like we're on a plateau with this book. I love this cast. I love these creators, but I... I don't know if it's just a me thing. I see a lot of people on social media who are really enjoying it. So I know it's not just like objectively terrible, but I just think this book is out of reasons to live. Um, and Teeny Howard's been announced as of us recording this at this moment to be writing the new X-Core books. So maybe Excalibur's almost done. Maybe it's almost over. Who knows? Mm. But I, I, I am not going to say anything positive in this recording. <laughs> Leave your downvotes now. You're letting us let's, know now. Let's, <laughs> We're getting let's, ready. Let's... Let's get Alan Davis back to write Excalibur. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what happened in this book, and I read it like a day ago. Well, I can um, tell you the the B go plot. Go ahead, Tyler. Of, lead us off. The, <laughs> the B plot of this issue is really about how Excalibur cannot keep a secret. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that good? That's for true for every X-Men book, though. Every mutant, though. They cannot keep a secret. They cannot keep their shit in their pants. And it just, you know, not literally. But you don't, want shit, to, but... you don't really want to keep your shit in your There's pants. Like... No, no, I'm not talking about literal shit. I'm talking about their, you know, reproductive organs. Or, like, you know, you know whatever. I know they what can't keep mean. their pants. But the thing is, like, to me, I... So here's the thing. I'm only giving it like, you know, a benefit of doubt because maybe it will be awesome by the time <laughs> and the end. But the thing is like, what I was really a little bit upset about, I mean, it's like, okay, first we went to other world to look for Betsy, but then mm -hmm. Betsy just came back to us. Yeah. Now this is not the Betsy. And then, then there was like a whole, whole time. It's like, who is this Betsy? Well, then turn out it was probably the one that Jamie, not Jamie, the other, yeah, Jamie, yeah, Jamie, Jamie. the yeah. one that the Jamie got from Sinister and that's the one running around. I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, <laughs> but here's my thing. Like, so that whole trip to Otherworld to like do the whatever, um, we already were asking last issue, was there any points to that? The answer remains no. Last yeah. issue, we opened up on like, the shock of Betsy just falling into the water, but here we're past that. And it just feels like everything interesting happens off screen. And then when we look back at prior issues, it's like, that issue didn't matter. That issue didn't matter. That issue didn't matter. Like, I'm just tired of issues that I don't actually need to read. And the main, like, part of this... It is. I follow the book you don't need to read. That's true. The yeah. frig, like the, the main a big part of this issue is that like two or three different people are just like you didn't tell us Betsy's back and they're like she's sad and just cuts to her looking sad like sitting and that happens like on repeat like three times I'm like I guess she is I don't know I I thought like, maybe like it was Betsy and they're trying to trick us like to because it seems so obvious it was like an imposter yeah. but no I guess it's just an imposter no I mean it it. it my assumption is that this is Queen Elizabeth III Betsy, and she got 
she got really bounced into that clone that Sinister created because Monarch exchanged back the musky cape for in exchange for a body. Yeah. And 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 then magically she appears, she fell into the water. Uh, I don't know, but but I think that might be happening. Um why she's evil the, the, the yeah, she's, issue... as much as I believe the queen was crafty, do you think yeah. she's this no, um, Machiavellian? I, that's what I'm saying. Like, as much as I think that might be happening, the issue did not tell us anything even close to that. Mm, okay. So the, the issue is basically playing... I, I think the... Like I said, the B plot is really... Excalibur cannot keep a secret. The, the A plot is really going through the whole motion of is this Betsy or is this not Betsy? Oh, Rachel says, I'm not going to probe too deeply. And then Emma's tried to probe a little bit and got repelled by, basically repelled by this Betsy. It's basically Betsy told her not to do anything, not to do it. And then she was running away from Maggie and Brian because they don't need telepathy to know that this is not Betsy. And then she's, and then, you know, the sinister part starts showing up because she was eavesdropping on Brian and Rogue. And then finally, Quanan has to come in and confirm that this is not our Betsy. It took a long time to get there. And I agree with all of you that along the way, not everything is interesting. And that's probably why I think um, you guys feel so e about, you know, meh about this. So, there yeah. is... I mean, I'm not giving it an excuse, but I thought that that was the whole issue of this issue. <laughs> But can can I can I just talk about uh, you know starting with the Saturdine though? Is like yeah. she's still sulking about. She's this? still pining for Brian. I know. I can't believe that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. this, she's this is like she's like, she's, she... she's sitting there in the exact same pose, except that there are three wine glasses on the floor compared to the end of Destruction. End of X of Sword. And, yeah. and then, but the thing is, I really liked her response though, because she really got them on technicality. It's like, if you want to talk to me, come through your Captain Britain. Oh, guess what? You don't have a Captain Britain, <laughs> suckers. I really like that. That was I like, one moment I that I enjoyed, that. that like, she's like, oh, the oh the mutants want to talk to me? Really? And so she like, <laughs> dashes off this note back to them, which I was happy, even though she asked for her pen, that it wasn't handwritten, because I do have a policy that I don't read cursive writing and comic books but luckily it was just in print uh and uh she basically just catches them in technicality it's hilarious she's like yeah every world can meet with me it's part of the responsibility of being a world she like mm. lays out all of these things and then at the end of the letter it's like but since you haven't figured out your captain britain situation screw you and i actually thought <laughs> yeah. but let's like think this through the x-men were not the ones who were so hot to have this gate be open Apocalypse mm. was the one who was so hot to have yeah. this gate be open. Apocalypse now is on the other side of the gate. And the X-Men are like, the idea of this gate even existing is pure liability. Like, it's an invitation for anybody who finds out about the resurrection process to try to shove us through the gate and kill us. Because it poses mm -hmm. no risk to them on Earth. Like, they already won yeah. that, that sword combat yeah. tournament. Uh, mm -hmm. But they still want it shut down because it's like it's like having a sinkhole in the middle of the street on my block and me being like, the children are going to fall into the sinkhole on the way to school. Like, that's their position on the gate. And Saturnine, who at first was like not really into this whole mutant anything, although they did help put her back in her throne by getting rid of Morgan Le Fay, let's be fair. Um, yeah. Saturnine is like, no, the gate can just stay open. Screw you. And I just think that was hilarious. That was my one reaction to the entire uh, comic was like, I thought that was funny. <laughs> 
And I'm going to use it on my email signature now. Consider the message. Consider the time. Consider many things before you bother Fariha. I'm going to I'm going to start using that in my See, email now. And that's because a positive I get so many emails. <laughs> I get so many emails uh, from people. Like I'm like, this is not my problem. Go figure it out somewhere. So I'm going to use that from now on. Quick question: Emma's hairdo, yeah, nay, yeah. I thought it was okay. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> I have a 100% yeah. yeah. It's a yeah to me too. So Yeah, it's a 100% yeah because because girlfriend got a uh I mean business now look, you know. So it's like she it's, always it's, has it's, that. No, I know. But the thing is like I think she sometimes she's a little bit more cat like when her hair is down, you know that something's yeah. about to go down. You know, she's she's about to, yeah. you know, about to turn someone into yeah. something. But you know, this this whole updo thing, I'm like, yeah. When I'm working, my hair is always kinda updo, so I'm like, yeah. Girlfriend <laughs> so, gets it. So the the do you botch into someone's office and say that, well, and and then some and then someone come running behind you and say, We tried to stop Fariha. And Fariha said, You tried to stop me? Oh yeah, I know. Oh my <laughs> the thing is that the very similar conversation actually have once happened. Because like, ah, I tried to tell her not to come. Like, well, you did what? You didn't know such thing. <laughs> yeah. you, know? you are meant- Emma Frost. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just realized. You didn't, you didn't know that? I, mean, um, I knew I didn't know it. <laughs> but the thing is like, um, and then going forward with that, the cats are back, which I was very happy with. Because they are from Kelly Thompson's uh, ex, yeah. uh, Mr., Mr. and Mrs. X and uh, Rogue and Gambit run. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's that's good, um, and then um, yeah, I don't have anything more to say. <laughs> well, but, the other thing is coming off of that data page, which is quite you know really clearly got our interest, but then it doesn't go anywhere. Like they're they're mm-hmm. having, I mean, it kind of does because they're having kind of an does. argument about yeah. Betsy, who is or is not Captain Britain, which would allow them to respond to the letter. But we, it doesn't. It kind of feels like that just stopped. And, and maybe that's part mm. of what really hurt me energy-wise in this issue is that I kind of got ramped up a little bit by the letter and then it yeah. just seems like it turned so hard to this other thing and it, it kind of like lost its momentum with me. Um, you know, we get some fun guest stars, right? We get Emma, we get Rachel. You know, Rachel, interestingly, is connected through Psylocke through Excalibur, but she never was on the X-Men team originally at the same time as Psylocke. She like no. left the issue before yeah. um, Psylocke arrives. So unlike yeah. Rogue, who has this backstory with Psylocke, Rachel doesn't, at least not from that Claremontian period. Mm-hmm. Um, but know, then it also connects to X-Factor where Rachel was. Like she was here the whole time when... Um, Polaris was telling everyone that, oh, we are going to be working with Rachel. Remember? You're talking about the last issue of X Factor -Factor. where Rachel's like, oh, she's, she's in Excalibur. Yeah, yeah, like she's like she like you know she she just cur- comes back. like so right after this she comes back and then yeah. in the boneyard we are now have having like you know at the same time she while they are having their dinner in the boneyard she's de you know deescalate like you know she's taking care of Polaris and then yeah. uh, what's his name uh, North Star now ran off to uh, to save Dakin. Yeah, so if you yeah. think about it from that point of view, it's actually pretty cool. And I, I actually learned that from you guys. So. <laughs> and I love Rachel. She's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. So like this idea that she's so important that we actually have to figure out her book-to-book continuity right now, it makes me really excited. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Awesome. I mean, and then, and I also like that, you know, even like when Teeny, uh, um, yeah, like little baby Maggie is, is, is kind of like creepy. 
but she she's like very British. She's she doesn't say I'm angry, so I'm cross. That is so British to me. I don't know. Send her send her through the gate with Apocalypse to his timeshare. I don't want to see her anymore. She freaks me out. Why? What's wrong? She fre- no, she yeah, freaks like- him out. I don't trust her. You you don't like talking babies? You don't like talking babies? I she, but- don't like this one. I don't <laughs> She's like a talking toddler. I don't know. She's like a small human with big ears and I don't Yeah, know. but and then also like as much as I kind of hate Brian the human, I kind of like his costume though. Oh, it's a good costume. costume. Good. It's, it's a good, yeah, like, good. I like damn it. I was like that's a I really, really like good costume. There, there's I'm a like, g- ah. <laughs> There's a good joke in this is when uh, Gambit's talking to Jamie and Jamie's like, don't talk to me about cloning, Betsy. I didn't do it. I told you I wouldn't, so don't ask. And Gambit's like, fine. He's like, all right, but if I did clone her, do you want to see it? (laughs) That was a pretty good joke. That was fun. And then also Burger King, because he's like, oh, I don't want to talk to that Burger King. And next, next, pretty much the next panel, he's sitting there with the Burger King. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty good. So that was pretty good. But also, I mean, Jamie... Teeny Howard definitely is a gift for Jamie. Jamie, who's mm-hmm. usually used just to kind of be a foil, he's actually developing his own very comedic voice. And the thing that really made me laugh was, um, I didn't just do it for myself. No reality hijinks. It's just an empty body. I did it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Meaning what exactly, right? Like you in the, I mean, in that moment, you're like the old. You made your sister how the old-fashioned yeah. way. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> well, to me, I thought it to more like, you know, he went to Sinister and got the body versus the he, the new way is like, the egg. The new way is uh, the egg. Right. You know, That's the, the joke egg. that he did it. He yeah. did it through cloning and reality manipulation and he yeah. didn't do right. it. Yeah. He didn't do it the other way. But the thing is, like, so the lady that he has is Morgan Le Fay, right? I think. Morgan Le Fay. Yeah, it's still Morgan yeah. Le Fay. Yeah. It's, around it's not him. Dark, we all forgot. Yeah. It's, it's Apocalypse. Yeah. No, but it, it, is she a sin, like conscious? I don't like that. That's she what looks, I say. I, yeah, she I, looks pretty conscious. Yeah. I yeah. hate that. I absolutely hate that. Like gross. Ugh. Like no, throw someone in a prison and throw the keys away, but don't do that. Like, but ew, she's gross. like she's pretty powerful magic person. Yeah, she can't be allowed to move or speak. Yeah, she's gonna do her. Then put her in the in the deep. The, I don't know. It just like this, and then the whole no, no. dress That's and everything. Fair. Like with it's the gross. web, like it just gross. Should, yeah, just gross. send her to send her to uh, Merlin's realm. As as Gambit mentioned, like she's technically not the enemy of Krakoa in a sense. She's only angry because Apocalypse invaded Avalon. So to Gambit's point, is like so. There's no reason. And she's not a mutant, so they cannot. They could. I mean, yeah, she, they have she like no be, jurisdiction. Almost. Yeah, she could not yeah. be judged on Krakoan law. So yeah. that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we come to our final corner of plot: Richter and his new magic lineage. As we progress, I'm sorry. I, if I keep talking, I'm just gonna say nasty <laughs> things. Somebody else say has it! to talk about say it. it. No, say I know, well, I'm not inviting people to like watch this just to like. No, no. They might well, like the issue, and I'm not here to just tear it down. I think yeah. it's a stupid plot. I just think it's dumb. I, I think it's, I keep. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I keep no, reading uh, this plot, thinking that like, oh, eventually someone's gonna be like, hey, Richter, you sound ridiculous and weird. What's up with that? But it just never happens. They just keep like taking it at face value, and I'm like, it's been a lot of issues of this. No, I, 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 I agree that to that actually because the relationship between Apocalypse and Richter was never developed in this book. 
Right. I mean, it was. I mean, we did see the scene where Apocalypse rescued Richter because for some reason Richter couldn't control his powers, and and then we sort of like skip forward to the fact that Richter is now a druid and yeah. you know that kind of thing. So so that's that's the part which is um, which I hundred percent agree with with Peter. Um, this is the most unbelievable part of. Of 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 Excalibur, because um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Richter suddenly being able to do mutant magic is kind of weird to me as well. So as an X Factor stan, um, I always keep on every time I see Richter, all I keep on saying that Richter, where's Shatterstar? Yeah, <laughs> where's Shatterstar? I, I he's like in Mojoverse. It. He's like stuck in, he's stuck in Mojoverse, and he is like he has no. He never even asked about him. Never even talk about him. That's his. Well, boyfriend, they were kind right? of on the outs after Shatterstar's last miniseries, right? Like they're not super yeah. together. He, I think he right explained. Now. He explained that he they were on the outs. Yeah, yeah. you're he, talking about the land, landlord uh, Shadowstar. Yeah, the, so the landlord, but the thing is, like, so uh, he doesn't have any more feelings towards him? Like, nothing? Well, I don't know. He's got I feelings very... for Apocalypse. Like, Tower, I think no, you were right. Don't the, say not, that. Not, not like no. that. No, like, but there is, like, an interesting, like, kind of, like, codependency thing or, like, like loyalty he has to Apocalypse because he was in this mm. depressed place. I thought that was interesting to start off with in this book, but it never really feels like it earns that. It just kind of keeps moving, gets deep into this magic thing, and. Yeah, I just it's not really what I was hoping. So. Well, I mean, it it is also hinted at here because, or at least the way I read it, because Richter was saying that I I didn't expect to be here for it. So mm. it's sort of I mean I I mm. I mean did he did he is he saying that he was suicidal before that he's gonna kill himself or but he. Well, that's kind of a throwback to X Factor because when he right, opened that was X-Factor, how we re-met him. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But then at that time he lost his power. So mm. and it was right after House of M. That's so true. Now, that's true. Now yep. he's like, so is it his character traits to be like that all the time? Mm. Because that's <laughs> a weird character trait. But that's pretty bad. I I think this is all potentially really interesting, right? There's a really interesting thread about mm. the idea that Richter thought he was suicidal because his powers gave him meaning and he lost his powers but he got back his powers he he was out he had somebody he loved and then here he is again his powers are somewhat out of control at the beginning of x-factor and if you're going to play that plot of like it turns out it wasn't just the loss of my powers that was making me feel that way that's a great plot and that's good development for him but where is it like i think <laughs> that there's this thing that's being i like that mutants have magic i'm not against it but and i love this implication that Richter's special because his mutant power connects him to the earth and that there's an intrinsic power of the earth that's connected to mutants vis-a-vis mm. Krakoa and that makes him special in the same way that like Doug is special because Doug can talk to Krakoa but mm. I feel like I am being asked to do a lot of work in between panels and in between issues to make all of these connections about if he is depressed about his relationship to his powers about if he feels special now I need it to happen on the page I think some of the other things we've talked about like we just you know we've also been discussing sword this week and we talked yeah. about how much Ewing gets us to bring to the story by not telling us everything on the page. He invites us in. But I feel like Excalibur is like insisting that I go and make up this whole plot universe on my own because it won't actually 
show me anything. Is it just me? Like sometimes no. I get like this where I'm like, no. tell me explicitly or I'm not going to give you any credit. I'm willing to accept it's me, but this is, this is, I'm trying to get underneath why I don't like it. I don't ever want to no. just come on here and yeah. be like, the issue is bad. <laughs> like, no, you're absolutely the, right. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not on the page. It doesn't feel earned. That's all it is. So, no, but, but, the th but the thing is we yeah. spend so much time on these other characters yeah. who were becoming other Captain Britons and all of that. So I think like it, this would have all been solved if there was a couple of issues that was focused on Richter the same way we had the sword issue this week and the X-Force issue this week. Yeah. Like if we had that, it would have, that problem would have been solved. Right, and not just Richter yeah. like, I guess I'm a druid now, but like Richter, yeah. like have Richter talk to Jamie Madrox, have Richter turn on a streaming device and look at Shatterstar in the Mojoverse. Like rem rem remind Aww. us of who Richter is for like a second. Yeah. And also, like, what? Appeared... what? Did I say something no. super terrible? No, 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 no. I mean, you just, you super just, hurt. you just, you just made me so sad. But see, I, I did that. I'm not. I don't like to be like say like I'm smarter than the creator. They should write this book. I'm just saying these are the types of things which are missing. No. And look, Faria got sad just by me saying it, right? Yeah. You're just saying make I... us sad, Teeny Howard. Make Faria uh, cry. Do it. Yeah, because, feel. I just want to feel something because I don't feel in real life. So, um, but. <laughs> That's what I'm saying because I've been waiting for that. I don't. I've been waiting for him to say something about Shatterstar. Mm -hmm. I understand that they have broken up, but there was yeah. something so meaningful to between them. I like. I, I just want him to for once say the word Shatterstar. I want him to say that word and that like you know the just opening turning on Mojoverse and then seeing it or even talking and then to turning Wind right Dancer. back on. Yeah. Yeah. And then or talking to Wind like Dancer. That. Some yeah. some some connection to something is, is right. what we're asking. And then he's just now the and so is Apocalypse supposed to be the magic person of X like mutants? Is, I don't know. Where did and that he, come and, what, and what did he get from Apocalypse Sierra? Yet another book, like <laughs> another tomb <laughs> of scrolls and, his, and, and everything in in his lab, I guess. But the other thing I kind of <clears throat> sort of want to talk about, I mean, not talk about, sort of, sort of want to point out is like why why is Rogue questioning the the mutant machine? She knew about the five, like yeah. And Rogue I don't understand is that part. A machine in a in, yeah. a in a box, like that's yeah. what Rogue's <laughs> I mean, whole she, jam. She basically could absorb the five and become the five herself, you know, like and 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 that's the thing. So so I was wondering why is like she's like oh, that we are able to join up our mutant powers in Covent and all. I was like, isn't that? what is happening on Krakoa right now. Why are you questioning that? Yeah. So that was a bit weird for me. And also Marcus Toe, put a belt on that uniform. It does not look <laughs> as cool if you don't break it up. Like the leather jacket's not enough because you lose her shape at the waist. It needs a sash or like a belt. There's a reason so many of these female characters in these swimsuity skin hugging uh, costumes have something around their midsection. It doesn't look right. There's, Richter I, has it. Richter has belts. I'm just looking yeah, at I'm it. I'm just saying. Right now. <laughs> I try again. Richter I'm trying to put belts. my finger on like some of the things that really bug me. And Rogue Agreed. costume doesn't look great for me. When all right, final scene, and let's get out of here. Uh, we have mean Betsy dressed in the Captain Britain uniform. She's lured them, and she's trying to stab everybody in the head with her psychic knife. But mm. onto the scene bursts 
Quanon, hot off of Hellions, I guess after they escaped their situation that they got into last week. Yeah, probably. And so we're finally going to get a proper Betsy and Quanon showdown, except for not really, because we don't know that this is really Betsy. So in a way, yeah. it's a lot like the showdown we got last issue, which I did like, let's be fair, um, mm -hmm. where, you know, we got Betsy confronting Quanon, but it was a different Quanon. Now we're going to cut Quanon confronting Betsy, maybe a different Betsy. That's potentially interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. In theory. Yes. Yes, but the thing is, I was also asking the question of like, wait, where did you come from? Like, when? you know, because I, I was I was also tracking Quanon's, you know, like, you know, connection, like, you know, um, yeah. like where she has been. And I'm like, no, this is wrong. And I was thinking that this maybe this is an editorial thing and this is supposed to be someone else. No, but, that too. but the thing is this, the, the publishing schedule is all out of whack because of uh. um, the, because of the um, hiatus. Mm -hmm. you know in in in, in match you know okay. so so things and then were, some were of the things of got up. um x of swords issues inserted like it's yeah. probably hellions was maybe maybe supposed to be farther at this point yeah. when yeah. you know we don't know i mean there's just yeah, no way okay. so that's the problem i think so which is why I, I believe like like for example i believe most of these issues happen before um king in black except for sword yeah, so I sword yeah. actually happens after what whereas everything here all happens before it so, no, that's um, yeah. So it's well, a, a, a little bit weird, yeah. Does anybody have any final encouraging words to our viewers and listeners about Not X Factor 18? I, I hope you liked it more than we did. I really did. Well, I like it. It's just that, I, um, yeah, my, my parting word is not encouraging because they got the, <laughs> they got the Krakowin uh, alphabet wrong again in the next. Why? What, is it, what do you think it's trying to say? It's trying to say Psylocke. But instead of the S, they use the ST, so it become a Stylock or something Stylock, like that. yeah, Stylock. Yeah, P S character. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh no. Of course, that's how this ends with a typo. <laughs> <laughs> of course. For X Force Seventeen, I want to have one go round of our initial thoughts, and then we will dig deeply into the world of Quentin Choir. But first, starting with Tyler, what was your gut reaction to x-force number 17. Um, I, I, I'm glad that the running gag of Quinton dying in almost every issue has some ramification. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, I really enjoyed this one. While I, you know, I gave Percy a lot of grief regarding his Wolverine, I like this take on Q. Um, and, you know, Kassara has to flex his artistic muscle slightly differently for this issue. But, you know, it is still beautifully drawn. Um, I give it a 3.75 per Shalactonius out of 5. Dang. <laughs> All right. Uh, I love this. This is like a great issue. I, this is like such like a nice relief after a few hit and miss issues that we've been kind of pushing through. Like it's it, it is like a, it's a different kind of style or, or vibe for uh Kassar to get into it's it's a little bit more cartoony a little funnier yeah. it's kind of a there's a lot of character in this issue and and I love Quentin Quire uh you know he he's an annoying character there's no getting around this that's just baked into the cake but yeah. uh he you know it is kind of fun when you kind of get it's a little bit more uh emotion with this guy and um yeah this was just like easily my favorite issue of this book in a while and it was my favorite of the week and I want to say again Kassar is really 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 good this issue it's it's really really great stuff yeah. Freeha. So um, I have a group of like ex-bad boys that's like, you know, I'm their nanny. 
Uh, so it's Neymar, Dakin, uh, Hellion, uh, and Quentin. And then Vulcan is like, you know, Tyler said that I should add Vulcan. So Vulcan's there too now. Uh, and then so therefore I really love Quentin, you know, even though at first I wanted to choke him. You know, when he first appeared in like, you know, or first when I saw him was in X-Men Schism, um, I wanted to really choke him. But since then, I've grown to really like, you know, really like him a lot. And this was just an issue dedicated to him, all about him. I'm all for it. And it was like there was oh, this. This was actually really good. So I, I'm giving it five out of five. Wow. I had a moment when I started reading it, thinking like, oh, great, we're just going to have Quentin die again on this cruise ship. And then we're going to go back to like the other scenes. And as it continued to unfurl and it became clear that it was a full Quentin issue and it was a writer who like understood that there's nuance to Quentin and it's not yeah. just a gag character that the gags are driven by the nuance. I just got like increasingly and increasingly more and more giddy as it was going on. Like, yes, 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 this is somebody like, yes. And until the end, I think I just was like bouncing as I was reading it because it just, it just got it. He just got it. He totally, totally got it. And also, I mean, Kasara, we, we are some of the number one Kasara fans um, on the internet, certainly on YouTube. Yeah. Many of us own his pages. Um, but I have to give a special note to the colors from Guri mm -hmm. FX here. As they subtly change as the issues going on, it's much glossier and shinier at the beginning instead of that kind of Dean White white highlight thing. And as we get deeper and Quentin gets more like fully realized as a character, the colors change. And like I, you know, we know that I love this detailed stuff. I, I don't know if there's any complaint I could have about this comic book, honestly. It's just a great issue. I guess if you don't like Quentin Quire, skip it. But uh, I <laughs> thought it was brilliant. Just totally brilliant. No, I mean, if you don't like Quentin Quire, read it. Yeah, read it. Because yeah. like, yeah. a lot of people like get him Quentin really Quentin. wrong. Yeah. Right. It's, it, so the thing is this, is, this is where it is. So we're Quire fans. We're Kassar fans. And at the moment, we're Percy fans because he knocked us out of the park. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into it. You know, this opens on him, a, a, a montage of his various deaths, some of which were very much on panel, some of which I don't think were on panel. No, we're, absolutely not. not, yeah. not no, I don't remember I, him going through a jet engine. Maybe I just no. read a lot of comic books. It's so funny. We didn't see him. I, we didn't see we didn't see bomb. him taking up the acid bath bomb. That wasn't yeah. also a thing. Did we my, see him being like, killed by a bouquet of flowers? Like, <laughs> no. No, my favorite is the bear so just good. hits him. The bear just slaps and you just see him flying away. <laughs> yeah. no, God. Um, actually, none of these scenes were in the previous uh, issues. Really? I could have sworn yeah. that some of them were. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean... With the exception of the one that was he was gunned down by, uh, you know, with Wolverine and Domino in that panel, yeah. maybe. But um, I don't think that was how it happened because mm -hmm. I think that scene was really. I mean, the scene that I was thinking of was when they were halfway through the gate and they got cut off. Right. Yeah. Right, and the thing is, like, but it also makes sense because this is him telling you the story. Yeah. So obviously, he is changing, you know, changing what you are seeing, right? Because that's his whole gag. That yeah. He's yeah. yeah. Gag. But that's that's his whole gag. Right, and then by the way, I will also want to mention that I mentioned it before that his shirt is something that he projects on you. That it's yes. not really, really what's actually written there. So it's just yeah. a projection that what he wants yeah. you to see. Um, but the thing is, that I just really like that. 
I mean, I didn't like it, but the thing is, like, all these deaths are so horrible. Like, <laughs> it's really, really bad. horrible. <laughs> like, they're so bad. Like, not, not a, like, there is no peaceful. I mean, obviously, death is wild. Like, you know, and they're in the export yeah. and all that. But the thing is, these are, like, terrible. Like, so bad. But, I mean, I guess, like, the flower one was the best of them all <laughs> but even that is like it says like far qq from the church of humanity like yeah. why they put church. that in what my well the church little... of humanity yeah. basically they are and who, like anti-mutant and what flower service is delivering <laughs> bouquets from the church of humanity to Krakoa that's what I need even, to know well you can see it's actually right in front of a door to so someone oh some, so maybe someone some mutant flower delivery person came through and then gave it and just, then went away just the hand nothing just, else just a hand yeah. like hey, <laughs> hey, do they have just a gate that's like the mail pickup gate it's like kind of like <laughs> yeah. all the mail can be directed to here it's like a gate inside of a it's post the office Amazon you portal, like yeah. walk through your gate and get all your stuff and, and what, what about what about the crap basically <laughs> like pin, pinching his, his neck oh that I one was, was creepy oh, his decapitated head so many of these have like glasses like glasses being destroyed or flown off his face they've yeah. even included that like in a few there's like so many nice little moments like the crab well yeah we know by now that the glass is just a fashion statement right it's true. as is confirmed like, by this issue yeah, yeah so, so, it's like, it's a so fashion so statement assuming all these death on these pages are new so he actually died a total of 18 times, including the cruise ship one. So, 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 so to that point though, to the point though, that was my another question. Did all of this actually happen? Or he's just trying to get sympathy out of you? I th- I want it to no. have happened. These are I, funny. Yeah, I think the rest of the issue confirms that it happened because it's yeah. talking about how he has these requests yeah. for modifications every time he dies. So like, <laughs> can we completely appreciate, like believe his narration of everyone considering that he doesn't necessarily remember them because the backup doesn't go right up to the point of death, which is also yeah. a plot point in this issue. That's no, true. These, this is almost like hearsay. It, um, it's like, yeah, we found your head on sure yeah wolverine remembers yeah. you going through the tur- the turbine and this is like quentin choir's mythologized version of how he thinks it was that he died based on people telling him that he died which makes it to me even more quentin choir so so this ends up with choir you know part of the point of this that starts to get dissected is that he he truly is the biggest hero in his own mind Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a gag. He yeah. really does think he's the protagonist, the hero, the, the center of attention at all times. And that's why he's such an unreliable narrator. So he arrives on this cruise ship to be like, screw off these other X-Force people. Like, I'm a psychic. I can handle this. <laughs> and he finds everybody dead. And he finds this little girl who's terrified, as we learn as the issue wears on, specifically of him. Because is he the killer? Which brings up some real questions about what's been happening to his body and his consciousness in between all these deaths. Like, if you died 18 times that Tyler can count, and according to at least the um, the, the data page later, at least 312 times, according <laughs> to the five, where are these 312 bodies exactly? Did they all get recovered by X Factor, or are some of them being used for other purposes? So what did you think about this idea that Quentin is the villain of the cruise ship? Or some amount of mutants, or no mutants at all, as it turns out, might be the case. I mean, if if Zeno could create pseudo pseudomino, they can definitely create a you know fake Quinton. That was my so thought. So that's that's what I think is happening. 
and not to mention that he's the one he's an omega mutant which is not yeah. not like you know not made up which is actually true and something he can't stop talking about um, <laughs> he is king but, omega after all yeah yeah <laughs> exactly he can't just like it's just in the name so the thing is yeah. so it kind of shows that when you replicate domino it's not necessarily as bad versus when you are doing it to someone with that power level it really goes out of control mm, that's true and that's the other thing i was kind of thinking is that um is 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 that a physical presence of this fake quinton or is that fake quinton taking over quinton's mind yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I was wondering that same thing. Is this like some kind of mental manifestation? Is this like another physical being? Like I, I was kind of, it, it was, it was disorienting in a good way where I just wasn't mm. quite sure, and yeah. it kind of kept me like on my toes for the rest of the issue. So I, you know, I really want to find out what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was mostly he kind of already seen himself as that. And then with the constant death and revival, that that barrier is falling apart. Hmm. So I think that just, so now, but the thing is, there's already a physical manifestation of that running rampant. And so it's like, it's, it's a, like he's having a nervous breakdown quietly. I just think it's interesting that we all have slightly differing takes on it. I think Percy's built us a pretty good mystery here. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. I mean, this is this is what I love about Percy's um, earlier X Force because he understood the characters. He gave us good stories and good mysteries. And you know, I mean, even right now we have not. He has not resolved all the mysteries, right? I mean, yeah. Just, 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 just take Wolverine away. Let let Wolverine <laughs> join the X Men. <laughs> From X-Force and no more Wolverine in Percy's run. And I think that'll be great. You, There's a strong argument to be made for that is all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so so he's died once again as a result of this cruise ship investigation. Decapitated, and, I think. Yeah. And uh, Phoebe is there to meet him in the, the egg garden. And Phoebe, we find out, is filling him in on some details that the resurrection process is not replacing and Quentin views it as blank pages, right? Like he's dying so many times and getting restored to a save point that's not quite as his death. Mm. And so he has this really fractured memory. Like imagine if you stopped remembering things at nine o'clock every night, no matter what time you went to bed, right? (laughs) And you're like, I was making popcorn in the microwave the one night and like the other night I was on video call with Peter and then, and, and you like never know how it ends, which is this, Clearly, it's a thing that happens. Clearly, it's a mechanic that's been expressed by the five. Mm-hmm. But we really dig into it and like how special it is that he has Phoebe to kind of fill in some blanks where she can for him. And it also gives Phoebe a really distinct character as one of the cuckoos. And I, I find that really charming. This was like, this was shockingly affecting. I was like, oh my God, these guys are, these two are cute. Like, this is really working for me. And, you know, Quinn can be a gag character and definitely not like a emotionally vulnerable character. But like, this was like a nice, no, no. (laughs) So like, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is actually working in a real, just simple, just powerful way. It, It was great. So to that point, knowing what we know about the cuckoos and all that, how much of that is real? Mm. Or how much of that is without motive? Right. Mm. How, because, okay, so the thing is, we first seen them getting together 
because they want to get together with cable but yeah. this was just kind of <laughs> yeah. another yeah. backup but it seems like phoebe kind of was like yeah you know what whatever because of yeah. cable so i'm gonna go with this and then so because the thing is why does he need to remind about that all the time because does it happen with other characters who they, they they die and when they come back they don't have any connection to their family it doesn't we haven't seen that happen they come mm. back fully remembering their friendship and stuff so why does he need that reinforcement because he keeps dying before the backup is being made because he died so many times because so- remember remember there's a backup copy right and the backup is done like i think once a week or, or something like that sure and so if if that date happens in between and it's not backed up when he dies and he comes back and his memory is restored, that date is missing. And he might be missing other deaths. He might yeah. be missing a date <laughs> and like three other times that he came back to life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I was, I was just kind of thinking like, it's like knowing what we know about the cuckoos, I was like, mm, I don't know about that. I love, so I, then, about- I love that my response to that scene was, this is so nice. And you were like, what are they up to? Yeah, what are they up to? What are they I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't trust young lovers and the who can manipulate their minds, each other's minds. I'm like, this is a suspect. What are you so, up to, cuckoo? Then the question is, how much of those dates are true? Are That's real? what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. How much of that is true? Like It's, it's nice. Just, it's, like... <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> well, I, do, I, I look, I think there's two really interesting themes here, and they come together, and what I have to say is an utterly brilliantly illustrated passage of Phoebe kissing him, giving back his memories, and then him trying to unlock his own memories with Kate. Just mm-hmm. every panel of it is so awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially the one where the, uh, he's plunging the key to his eye, even though yeah, we know yeah. it's psychic. It's also Ugh. like, ooh. And he's also being drawn, I think, a lot like Remy Malek, who uh, was in Bohemian Rhapsody and Mr. Robot here, with the really big prominent mm. eyes and the sort of like, I just think that one panel yeah. um, really looks like Remy Malek. But here's the thing. Thematically, I think there's these two things that we're really enjoying here. One is the idea of reliability of narrators. Is Quentin ever reliable? Are his deaths reliable? Is Phoebe reliable in general? Is Phoebe's Are the things that Phoebe's telling Quentin reliable? Like, there's so many stacks. We don't know if any of it's true, right? Which is, like, perfect for X-Force. Then there's this other theme that I think is a little bit more subtle of the idea of a locked box, Right. The resurrection process is a locked box that duplicates your mind. Phoebe is keeping a locked box, theoretically, of accurate memories of what he's doing with her. Mm. Quentin has his own locked box in his mind that he does not want to disturb because it's the core of who he is. And with all the other things that are in flux about him, if he were to be tampering with that, would he even know himself? But Phoebe actually wants him to open that one. Um And I think that this is, they're two concepts really in opposition to each other, right? One is about something that's dynamic, shifting, changing, unreliable. And the other one is about permanence, things you can trust, things that are concrete. And it's just really interesting how even the art is playing with going back and forth between them. Yeah, it's a great thing. I really like it. I really like that whole key thing. It just the very key. reminded me very much of a lock and key. Lock it's and very key. lock and key. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, hat, very, the hat key. Yeah, the head mm-hmm. key. It's just very much like that. And it even shaped a little bit like that. So mm-hmm. like that too. So the thing is like, and it, I mean, it's one of those like, even it's though I was like, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> even though I was like, oh, about it. It's also one of those like old age old cliche about the woman telling the man, open up to me. Yeah. I love <laughs> Well, and it's you. also like creepily transactional. She says, thank you for sharing. I know it wasn't easy as she 
plucks the tear from his cheek and tastes yeah. it. Like that's a that's a little creepy. That's she also, I don't know. Did that come out as sweet to you, Harry? Did you think that no. was No. <laughs> no, that one's she bites his lip really intensely. I was just like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. We're getting yeah, some but, bad romance going on. You're here. in but you're they, in the street. Look, or, I guess they're in crack. Look, no, no, they're in the street. <laughs> she is learning from, from Emma. Emma. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was Take it from say. the boss. <laughs> you yeah. have to ask Scott what he has endured oh, through God. you know with Emma. So that's the that's the thing. Emma would have just licked the tear right off of the cheek, you know. No, <laughs> no, no. Are th- is this Krakoa's hottest couple? We gotta go take a vote. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, but the thing is, like, I know. I mean, it th- that it felt a little bit kind of like, oh no, no, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I'm going to I'm going to save you. Well, so there was a little bit of element of that, even though I was like, oh. I look at more as like Quinn inquires just like a big Dorcas. Like she's like, you are not it's very obvious you're doing a bit where you can't open up. Just hurry up and do it so we can move along. Like it looked like more like she was more in a position of power than like pleading for him to do that. But that's that's how I read it. But that also, I, that's how I read it too, because it, mm-hmm. to me, that's what made it connect to past choir so well, mm-hmm. is he was totally a dweeb when he was introduced. And I think we've gone so far into this like <laughs> choir fantasy that we risk thinking he's cool. And it's no. almost like Phoebe telling us as the readers, like, let's just admit this is all an act that eventually is going to wear out. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was kind of like Percy actually saying it to the readers too. Like, we can't just play this gag out with Quentin forever. Mm-hmm. We've got to eventually move it forward. You know, in the same along the same vein, I I, I real I kind of like that line that says that there is a difference between um, forgetting and not remembering, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because yeah. I think what what he's saying here is that one is a choice and one is a circumstance. Yeah, and there is this memory that he locked away because he chose not to remember it. We should say the art in this scene where they're walking down the street and just things are happening around them, like the, the soda pops popping off or the piano is going to fall on them. It's just such nice. What a great like, gag. And it's not, you know, he's, Cassara uh, draws so much like crazy island scenery, but this is just like a very normal New York City street. And there, it's yeah. just like a nice, he can do like kind of more banal stuff very well. That's, that's why I say he's flexing a different yes. artistic muscle here, right? Because this issue requires him to draw drastically different things mm-hmm. than, he, than he was doing before it. So, and it's still just as thrilling, right? We've been championing Kassara through him getting to draw all this other world yeah. stuff and all this Kirk's Cone stuff, stuff on the beach. Like, he's just great. Like, there, I don't yeah. think we need to have any kind of uh, qualifier. And and part of that is this great gag in collaboration between all of the artists on the book um, yeah. of the costume sequence, right? <laughs> so we're putting co- him in different costumes, some of yeah. which are very identifiable. At one point, he's Cable. Exactly. Table with pink um, pouches. Oh, so good. I would have picked that one. Uh, at one point, he's Glob Herman. Yeah. Um, at one point, he's Gladiator. At one point, he's Wolverine. I'm having trouble placing the first two references. The punk mohawk one and the uh, bodysuit. Storm? With the bodysuit one. Do you think that punk mohawk? Storm. Maybe. Storm? I thought it was kind of like Apocalypse, like a little bit like of a dark yeah. seed, like um, Granny Goodness. Yeah, yeah. The Fatal Furies. Furies kind of yeah. thing. I don't know, but I, I'm not enough of a DC yeah. leader to know the exact. I know what you mean. Or it could be just a generic, like Mad Max. Yeah, that's. I just read it's like a generic Mad Max thing, and but like because he does say it's post-apocalyptic. Yeah. So I love that. And then what about the all pink one, the clingy (laughs) one? 
Who is I, that? I don't know. I don't know where that's from. He's just talk, he's just talking about himself being too clingy. <laughs> ah, interesting. I love too that he calls clingy. Wolverine the bad mentor. Mentor. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you're not uh, even mentoring. good at it. You're just the bad mentor. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> even though, uh, to be honest, though, I would say though Wolverine actually could handle him. Like you know, he actually told him that, hey, get your act together in yeah. Wolverine yeah. and the X Men. So I think yeah. I'm like you know, it's bad because it actually worked. You know what I, I mean? Like, so, I feel like Quentin would be like, oh, you're bad at this, even though it was like good advice that he gave him and all right. that, you know? But the final one that he got, I was like, oh, what's bad. your thought on that? Looks like Man. trash. Yeah. <laughs> no, for, for me, it's like, the glasses. Like, what the hell are those? It's, it's his psychic glasses. Well, TK yeah. glasses. They look like, like 80s, like big blocky glasses. <laughs> like. <laughs> I, yeah, Tron. Like, I don't feel like the whole thing is very Tron. It's kind of like yeah. hints of the sword uniforms a little. Yeah. But it also looked a little bit like Cyclops. Like, I think he's trying to kind emulate of. Cyclops yeah. a little bit. I don't know. I didn't quite like it because the thing is, like, I'm like, Brian the Human gets such a cool uniform. <laughs> why are we, give, why are we giving, not giving him a cool one? I didn't like it. I'm like, oh. I was kind of surprised that that's where it ended. Like, I thought yeah. that there would be another comment of he's yeah. like, the, the revolution's already been televised or something. Like, he was going to make a gag about it being very Cyclopsy. So yeah. I was kind of surprised when we were when yeah. it was like, oh, this is perfect. No. So, <laughs> oh, oh, perfect. I, yeah. I, I do <laughs> think it's going to be transitory. Like, this is just another step, right? Like, so. it's not like yeah, we I, finished the Quentin story here. I hope right, so. I hope so. Because the thing is, like, I really like the idea of his T-shirt. Like, his T-shirt yeah. having all these different words and stuff like that. I really want something along that line. So that's so, one of the reasons so, I'm like, oh. Well, oh, I know, I know. The, the fun funny. thing with Krakow is, you know, he can, you know, they do have the costume changes. So maybe we'll yeah. just see that again. You know, I don't think, that, I yeah, hope maybe the pouches could still come back. Here's a question <laughs> that I don't want anybody to answer on the air, uh, but I just contemplate. On all of these uniforms, there is an Omega motif on all of them, um, sometimes in the belt, sometimes in the chest. So where was it on the glob uniform? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> readers so at home. Moving, readers at home, don't answer this question in the comments. By the way, I think the clingy pink one was maybe a nod at like zero from Mutant Liberation Front or maybe oh. um, Spot and Daredevil, is that his name? Yeah. Toward the guy who makes all the points. Yeah, 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 the one that spots yeah. Spot. Yeah. Or just even that very kind of 90s since it also flashed to cable like, um, like uh, what is her name? Void and Wildcats, where she's just like skin, skin tight, cling head to toe, single color. There's no distinguishing characteristic. Yeah. So I think it kind of was also making fun of different periods of, of comic costumes as well. So, I do yeah. want to say though, like you know, hats off to him for being so comfortable with the color pink. Like yeah. you know, you would think someone like him would be like you pink, but no, that man owns pink. Like well, he owns he, it. He's such like it's a, a signature a, color. He's a counterculture exactly. like, choice, you know. Is he? He wanted it to be rose gold for for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rose gold. It's a good moment. Like the like the iPhone. <laughs> so. And also, I mean, this is I I know it's just a funny gag. But I love the idea that he's harassing the five continuously yeah. to improve him. And the five is like, this stuff takes time. We're like gene editing. We're doing yeah. CRISPR here. And and like, so, and he's asking for his eyesight to be fixed to um, have kind of l mutant lasering done so he doesn't have to work, worry about body hair. Um, he wants his side fades to be permanent. He doesn't mm -hmm. want to have, he doesn't want to shave. He wants to have his hair be permanently yeah. colored. Like I would, I would submit almost every one of these. I'm he really doesn't want to his identify. to grow. That's why it's yeah. good. He's just like, cool, I can I, do whatever I want. Yeah, let's just get it going. Like, 
I'm I really so, want to see what his other requests have been because I'm really down with all of these. So so the thing is if you're looking at the recent requests, so it's kind of descending order. So the first one he did was for certain body parts to be different. So he knows his priority. So the thing is he started with that and yeah. then went up to into his like, you know, hair color and all of that. But the thing is like I remember one time you were asking me, Peter, is like, okay, when uh, mutants have overcome all their um, all the mutant hatred and everything, what are they gonna be doing? This page, this data page was like a peak of like what they should be doing. Like this is what mutants should be doing. They should not be running. They should not be being hunted down. They are like going to be so pissed off that another mutant is asking them to do cosmetic work. Like this was just like, this was just perfect that they're like, the fact that no, it's like, God, he's so annoying. You need to put forward part. a resolution. Like that was just, the, the, everything about that was just perfect. I'm like, yes, this is what mutants need to be. Like they're just like, they're doing this like super complicated stuff. And then another one's like, hey, can I have rose gold? Okay. <laughs> well, and also that it, I mean, I, um, it's, you know, it mirrors somebody who's like addicted to plastic surgery, who's like, you know, we see these people, these giant lips where they start to look like cats or whatever, like God. whatever their deal is. <laughs> and I don't judge. I have no judgment. Mm-hmm. But it's like, this is, here's somebody on X-Force who's kind of allowed to abuse the system however he wants. And here he is abusing the system. And it's kind of like, yeah. if we got rid of every possible irritant, and if we didn't have the crucible, and if none of these other things happen that are in all of these other books, which we're not going to mention on the page here, but we know you're thinking about, then everybody would be doing this. Like, and our job is to restore all the mutants who have died over the past mm-hmm. however many years. And here you have us spending time on tinting this kid's hair. Like, this is the danger. This is funny as it is as a page. It represents a potential danger of decadence of frivolity Mm -hmm. for the mutant race like if you want to go down this path we're going to be so busy and that connects back to Morrison's run like Jumbo Carnation is part of this gag this idea that if mutants become so prevalent if there's millions and millions of them if they're not being oppressed enough that they turn to decadence and it's eventually their downfall all of that is encoded here in this page it's a gag page but it's very explicit in what it's implying about the mutant race yeah. And it's perfect because it's Quentin. You right. believe mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You believe yeah. it. If no, if there is anyone in the like we any known mutant that we know of who is capable of doing this, it's him. He would be the one who would be like, hey, hey, can I have rose gold hair? <laughs> it's an aside, but uh, God, Kasara draws an amazing jumbo carnation. Like it's so he there's so does. much movement, like movement oh, well, and personality, not, it, and all the hands are doing not, different stuff. You know. Not just that. Like I mean, Percy gave him a really good voice it's like the way he's like he goes straight to straight 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 face with like quinton is like your immature outcast still tacky <laughs> and decidedly human let's distinguish more you know you know yeah. see, see the way he he, he 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 phrase it like you know i can imagine like jesse saying that you know with a flair so yeah. that was like Perfect to me. For Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, number three, we're going to do our lightning round. It's going to go Tyler, Harry, then me. And then Faria will comment on if we have hyped her enough to care about that particular chapter of the story. So, Tyler, this first story is uh, called 32 Warriors and a Broken Heart. Broken Heart. It is John Ridley's writer and George Fournay's artist. Clayton Cowles letters all of the stories. Tyler. Okay. Um, I like the story. 
And even though I'm not sure how Logan and Mariko won when they did not defeat the 32nd Warrior, <laughs> um, you know, I still like it. Um, I, I feel like Fornay's, um did not do his best here because, don't get me wrong, the action and the storytelling is great, but if you know what he's capable of, you know that they, the story or he himself did not make full use of his ability to render beautiful panels using light and shadows. So um, I think that is my minor complaint. So even then, this is the this is my favorite of the three, and it gets a 3.5 sorts out of 5. Harry. All right, so uh, this was definitely my favorite story in the issue. This is probably my favorite story in this entire anthology series so far. Uh, you know, it just, it is great, great art. Tyler, I know you're, you you have a point that this might not be his best work, but not as, but not even the best for us is still like better than almost everything on the market. And even more so, the story by John, by John Reilly, this was the one story so far where I felt like I had, you know, for lack of a better term, a whole meal. Like this was a, Really great self-contained thing. I felt like he used great use of the pages, great use of like the less uh, less amount of space than you usually had, and I was just satisfied that it was done. I was like, "This is what I want from this kind of series." I think that this was utterly brilliant. I would go back and insert this into the Wolverine omnibus. It is so perfect, a Wolverine story. John Ridley, I mean, we're talking about an Academy Award-winning screenwriter here. And if you have not read his other history of the DC universe, I'm only one issue in because I feel like I need to like really sit with it. It is one of the most powerful pieces of prose I have ever read in the superhero genre. I could not possibly recommend it any higher. And that's just the first issue. I'm, I'm like not even ready for issue number two. So this was, I just think it was so perfect because it was a Wolverine story that if you want to slot it into his continuity, you probably could. But if you just want to take it as allegorical, being about the nature of Wolverine's relationships, you could. And the great thing is it's about him being a father who's a good father for once. It it faints in the direction that it's going to be about Wolverine, the terrible dad, because he's always terrible and he never <laughs> cares enough. And then it actually is about his heart at its base, which is brilliant. I think Fournay delivers a beautiful job here. I think, if anything, the lack of subtlety in some of these drawings that Tyler points out is because Fournay actually uses shading and his color artist so much to bring dimensionality to his artwork. And this is him just working in such stark relief that it's almost jarring. But I, I mean, I think this is one of the best Wolverine stories of all time. So Faria, is this story well, worth, is this a story that you will read? Well, after that resounding, you know, a yes from three of you, yes, I will. Definitely. This gets a... I noticed right. that none of us said who he's fighting here. Uh, <laughs> samurai. That's why he bought it. Yeah, the Silver Samurai, which connects yeah. to Mariko and the whole broad history of Wolverine. But this is a lightning exactly. round, so we didn't choose to mention it. We're not going to go mm -hmm. back for it. Story number two is Burn. Burn. Donny Cates is the writer. Chris Bacalo is the artist, also lettered by Clayton Cowles. Mm. Tyler. This is the worst of the three stories. The story itself is okay. It dealt with the observer effect somewhat. But man, Bacalo's art is confusing and messy. And I'm saying this as a Bacalo's fan. Like, I'm a huge fan of his art. Um, I in this short story, I could not tell what is what in which panels and, you know, except when they're like two talking heads. And even then, sometimes it's a little bit out of focus because 
the art is so packed in each panel and the lack of color and the somewhat poor usage of red, which is brown in this case, definitely <laughs> adds to the confusion. And Buckles has a particular style. He likes to zoom in on a quarter of a hand, uh, you know, a, a half a tie or, you know, something like that. And this, it does not work at all. One beer out of five. Harry. Okay, so I don't look ahead to who the creators are when I start reading. And I opened, you know, I got to this page. I was like, oh, Chris Bocklow. I love this artist. He's one of my favorite. Great. Oh, it's Wolverine. Great. And then I see him talking to this other guy. And I'm like, who is this? I don't know who this is. And then it's the friggin' Cosmic Ghost Rider. And I realized it's a Donny Cates book who cannot get away from the friggin' ghost, Cosmic Ghost Rider. He can't help himself. You got to put him in the Wolverine anthology. Uh, I hated this. I think this was awful. Um, I just think uh, you're right. Uh, this, this is awful. Chris Bocklow art, and I love him. I really do. Um, but nothing, nothing. It's really hard to tell, pay attention to anything that's happening. It makes no sense. And uh, yeah, I find this character that Wolverine's having a beer with to be incredibly annoying. I think he's kind of like, you know, the the new Deadpool for this new uh, century, just like way outstate its welcome. Um, yeah, I, I found this super, super irritating. Uh, I'm going to give this like a 0.5. <laughs> So I used to like Chris Bucklow at a point. I like 90s Chris Bucklow, but I find him to be so messy and hard to discern. And I feel like he's still got his fans and that's great, like what you're going to like. But to me, to boil him down to black and white like this really made the point of what is going wrong with his art. He's really relying, and we've talked about this in the series before, on the colorist and the contrast to kind of like do all of the work of making his work legible. And if anything, I had a moment here where I was like, God bless anybody who is coloring Chris Bucklow because <laughs> I cannot tell. I mean, I spent whole minutes just zoomed in on single panels being like, what mm -hmm. must this be? Um, yeah. The thing, though, with Cosmic Ghost Rider is, you know, he's finally escaped Donny Cates' grasp and a few other people have had a crack at writing him a little bit. And this is just his gag now. At first, his gag was being in space and doing stuff. And his gag now is kind of being on Earth and, and, and thinking he's... Um, making connections with people or trying not to make a connection with people, but by doing that, he's messing up history. That's just the whole gag. So look, either you like it or you don't, but the thing that really I would say came away from the story for me is it's not enough of a Wolverine story and it's not enough of a Cosmic Ghost Rider story. Like we had some really cool moments with Cosmic Ghost Rider like fighting Juggernaut on the behalf of Wolverine and I felt like it could have been like more. And then there were moments where Wolverine was so frustrated in fighting the Juggernaut and I felt like it could have been more. It kind of just felt like very surface level the whole time, even if I'm forgetting the fact that the art was quite frankly horrible. So Faria, do you think you're gonna want to check out this story? <laughs> so... As a fan of the actual identity of Cosmic Ghost Rider, like I like you know the six one six version of that character, I hate that character. Like I <laughs> hate that character from when he started in the Thanos uh, story. I mean, I was I was gagging when that <sighs> happened because the fact that it's not Deadpool and it's <laughs> this other character, it drives me insane because that is not who that character is. So it's an automatic no. Okay. <laughs> just that just because that character is in there, it's an automatic no. I don't read don't read comics with that character in it. 
Also, by the way, if you have read the Juggernaut limited series or are thinking about reading it, it's really hard to figure out where this would place in yeah. in, in terms of Cosmic Ghostwire existing, Krakoa existing or not, and the Juggernaut limited series. Because that starts yeah. and ends with Juggernaut in a really interesting place that that's doesn't really, really match up. not. Yeah, it's really... Not Krakoan era. It yeah. has to oh, that story also that. has Cosmic Ghostwriter in it? No, no, no. Don't no. tell oh, me that. Okay. <laughs> no, it's actually yeah. really good. It just it okay. begins really, and ends really with Juggernaut good. in a very specific place that does yeah. not okay. really match up with the story. Yeah. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Dear God. The final story in this issue is Red Planet Blues by Jed McKay, possibly McKay, I don't know, and Jesus Says, and it is also lettered by Clayton Cowles. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyler. this is a fun, this is a fun one. I mean, I I do like the fully shaded work here, but um, for some reason, I think it looks a little bit artificial and maybe too shiny. Um, I mean, you know, at the end, I mean, I do like Goofy Ileana, so, you know, when she was trying to put on the MAME helmet at the end, I had a good laugh. Um, I, I think it's, 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 it's kind of slightly better than average, you know, kind of slightly. You know, maybe 2.75 red helmets out of five. So I, I didn't love this, but I had a nice enough time. Uh, I really, I really like uh, Jesus size art um, in general. I think he's pretty fantastic and and i think this was some really good use of his art but the colors the actual use of red is kind of uninspired it doesn't really feel like it's being expressed creatively it's just more like we had to cross a box and make sure they look red uh but that said this is a story that you know includes the death's head robot bodyguards from planet hulk and the gardener site where Ex Nilo was in the Avengers book. And I yeah. like both those things. Look at free. I know. I know. So <laughs> I was like, this story is not amazing, but it's two, two, uh, two things from comics that were really important to, to me formatively. So um, I guess this is what like nostalgia is like. I don't know. Uh, it was, it was nice. Um, I'd give it a three, uh, three messed up aim helmets out of five. I think this is a story that had like all of the elements of a really great story and maybe it didn't like get all the way across the line with all the elements, but I was very enamored with all of the elements. Like Jen McKay, I was very skeptical of him as a writer at the beginning of Black Cat. I was like, really? Like, is this actually funny? Is this actually good? And he's just won me over. He's one of the few writers at Marvel right now that can write one issue and make it really feel so packed with action, with information. And I think even in the story, like there's so many little nods, layers, jokes. It's just as long as the other two stories, but it feels somehow longer, even than mm. the John Ridley story, which seems crazy to me. Um, he he wrote a very comedic Ileana. If anything, I'm like, get yes. him on an X-Men book. Let me see him. I was let me that. see him write some other X-Men. <laughs> like, let him audition mm-hmm. on Wolverine Shorebell. I don't need to see him write Wolverine again. Let's, you know, I so I'm really interested in that. And then Jesus says, you know, we never get to talk about him because he never does X-Books. This guy is off it's the crazy. charts amazing. I mean, his work on the opening arc of Mark Wade's Doctor Strange title, his work on the reboot of Star Wars last year, and the thing that makes him so great is he does his own um, ink washing, maybe even digitally. I don't know what his process is, yeah. but even when somebody else colors him, there's just this beautiful gradation of shading in his work that you don't get on a lot of other digital colors. The colors do that with the shininess, which you know I don't <laughs> like. And so this, to me, was just, like, sumptuous. Like, I just wanted to, like, lay down and touch the pages um, physically because the shading 
scene was just so great. So like, and what Harry pointed out, I was stunned that he pulled back to Hickman's first arc on Avengers. Such a hit. I love Death Head back from the 90s. Yeah. So anything Death's Head is a hit for me. So like, again, I come back to my opening statement. Was it a brilliant story? No. Did I love every single thing about it? Yes. He drew a really great um, Brave and the Bold anthology, like in the late 2000s uh, size. Mm. Just, that is before I knew yeah, him. It's like yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I originally. It's a little. It's a little looser, but like, really, really good. Yeah, blue just blows me away every time. So, Freya, would you be well, interested said, in this story? You said excellent. <laughs> He's not actually but in it. Just no, yeah, really are in her bomb. It's just his garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's like it connected to him. <laughs> like you know, I, I'm in. I'm waiting for him to show up in. X-Men, I know. Same. So, <laughs> So anything that even gives a little hint, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, that is it for This Week in X. I will say that uh, we did not get as deeply through our Marvel polls this week as we do in some weeks by the time we record this. So I cannot tell you if there's other (laughs) X-Men in the Marvel Universe this week. I don't know yet. Uh, But one thing that happened as we mentioned along the way, literally as we're having this conversation, is that the Marvel announced on Twitter that uh, we are going to be getting an X-Corp book, which has been at questioned at some length because they first teased it in a letters page of Captain Marvel yeah. over a year yeah. ago, uh, and that it's going to be written by Teeny Howard, and uh, it's going to feature that X-Corp group that we saw in X-Men Empire, which was Angel Monet, maybe some Jamie Madrox, if we're lucky. I hope so. So, uh, that is some pretty exciting news. Who else, let me ask you, and by the way, that will be art by Alberto Foch and colors by Sunny Go, who I love. It's going to debut in May. So, quick round, starting with uh, Tyler. If we already know Angel and Monet are there, and if we can assume Jamie Madrox will somehow be involved, what other person do you want to see in an X-Core book? Sunspot and Ken and Paul. Ah, well, hopefully nobody voted for them in the X-Men vote, and we can have that. Harry... Uh, who else would you want to see in an X-Corp book? Brew. He's good with numbers. The Brood. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Freya? Well, just give me Jamie Madrox. <laughs> but Jamie if Madrox, you already Monet. have Jamie Madrox. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would go with Sunspot too. I mean, he's he's very much into business world and stuff. Maybe bring the Zebra Kids back. Business. Yeah, he's business. very much into business. <laughs> he's into business. And... <laughs> Bring the Zebra kids back too. So that would be kind of nice from Hickman's Avengers. So yeah, I think uh, that would be my pick as well. I'll go for a somewhat deeper cut. Um, you know, if I see Angel and I hear x I think about Joe Casey's deeply weird run mm. on Uncanny X-Men just yeah. before the Chuck Austin run. And uh, that team also had Angel, also was called x and had Stacey X in the mix. And I think that Stacey X is a power, uh, a mutant that really could use a modern retake. I think T- Teeny Howard would be the perfect person to do that. And I would really be interested to see what her place is on Krakoa. So I am looking for Stacey X to appear in this title. Wow. And that is it for This Week in X for this week. Uh, some emotional highs and lows from the group today. As we've discussed these issues, hopefully you've enjoyed our discussion as we've roller coastered up and down. And uh, we just want to thank you for listening. It's so much fun to have a re... I mean, we would probably at this point get together and do this anyway, just without the recording and maybe without as much wardrobe <laughs> involved. But um, it's really fun to get together yeah. with you with all of those factors. Because why is it so fun, Freeha? 
Experiment is better when it's read together. That's right. And we are so happy to read it together with you. So on the behalf of myself, Furia, Harry, and Tyler, we want to thank you so much for listening to another week of This Week in X. Don't forget to subscribe, follow along, send us a note on social media. We're happy to hear from you. And until you hear from us next, please be well. Bye. Bye. Bye.